0: Chapter 12. Of Life of Saint Gerard Magella. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 12. His Letters. One of the most remarkable features in Saint Gerard's life is his intimate and continual association with various communities of religious women. He reformed at least three convents by his unaided efforts, and the acts of his canonization prove that he was unceasingly occupied with the spiritual interests of nuns. We find him keeping up the closest relations both with whole communities and with individual sisters, visiting them repeatedly, giving conferences at the grille, writing them long letters, in a word, discharging all the functions of a director of souls, and, it may be added, of a director who seemed to have plenty of leisure at his command. Now this is undoubtedly a very striking fact, that, ordinarily speaking, it is not the vocation of a lay brother to undertake the direction of consciences, whether of nuns or seculars, is obvious and cannot be gainsaid. All that can be urged in explanation is that, in St. Gerard's case, his conduct was the result of an extraordinary attraction of divine grace, proved to be such by his humility and obedience and countersigned by the approbation both of bishops who so warmly invited him to visit convents over which they exercised jurisdiction and of his own superiors who gave him the necessary permission greater security no man can ever have on earth than the security which comes from an interior call to some work of zeal the voice of god within us together with the sanction of lawful authority the voice of god without us He who possesses the latter is saved from all possibility of delusion with regard to the former. Such a security was in the highest degree that of St. Gerard, one of the most obedient and humble of men. In order the better to understand his spirit, we will let him speak for himself. He was much devoted to the Carmelite nuns at Ripacandida, of whom we read so often in the life of St. Alphonsus. Two of Gerard's most marvellous ecstasies had taken place in the parlour of this convent, one of them in the presence of the whole community to which he was discoursing at the time on the love of God. He was venerated by all as a great saint. We need not, therefore, be surprised to find that, when a new prioress was elected, she begged St. Gerard for some directions that would aid her in the discharge of the duties which had just devolved upon her. The servant of God immediately complied with this request, and sent her a long document from which we will proceed to make some extracts. Since the Prioress holds the place of God himself, she ought to fulfill her office with the greatest watchfulness, if she wishes to be pleasing to our Divine Master, who has chosen her to govern in his stead. She needs great prudence, and in all things should direct her course according to the mind that is in Christ Jesus. Her heart should be embalmed with the sweet perfume of all the virtues which she will commune to her subjects. They ought to advance to perfection simply by treading in the footsteps of their mother. The superior will never lose sight of her own loneliness and insufficiency, remembering that God has raised her to the position which she occupies, of his mere goodness, since there are so many others who would acquit themselves more perfectly than she. Thus, abasing herself in her own eyes, she will have compassion on the faults of others.' She will discharge the duties of her office in the spirit of love, and will never look upon it as too painful to be endured. Considering that God from all eternity has destined her to be an authority, let her day by day strive to be a better superior, keeping herself always united to the divine will, and holding her position with a total indifference and without the slightest attachment. In cases of difficulty, she ought, no doubt, to get the best advice within reach but having once made up her mind she must propose to herself the glory of god as the end to be attained and carry out her resolve without any human respect even though she had to shed the last drop of her blood for the love of god she must trample self-love under foot the superior ought often to say to herself god wishes me where i am i ought then to do his holy will in all things as a duty i will watch over all my daughters i will be the servant of all I must give each one advice, light, consolation. To others I should assign that which is best, keeping for myself that which is worst, in order that I may please God. In a word, everywhere and in all things I must suffer in order to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, my heavenly spouse. The mind of a superior should be like a wheel, always in motion, that she may provide for the needs of her daughters she will love them all dearly, but only in God, without showing any preference to one rather than to another. Remembering that nuns can provide nothing for themselves excepting in accordance with holy obedience, she ought to forget herself completely and devote all the gifts that God has given her to their service. If any person should be sent into the convent from outside, let her provide for the wants of all her children before she thinks of her own. She ought to put them all at their ease, particularly any who may be in danger of failing in confidence towards her. To do this, she must win their hearts. She will therefore be affable in her manner, even when she feels it to be most difficult, and must continually strive to overcome herself in this respect, always with a view to please God. Unless she acts after this fashion, unless she shows a mother's love to those who are suffering from temptation, their disturbance of mind will go on increasing. It may even throw them into despair at least they will be prevented from advancing in the love of god by the feeling that they are being slighted or misunderstood this is a weakness to which women are subject the saint then continues to speak of the firmness and sweetness but especially the sweetness with which correction should be made and concludes thus such a correction is in my opinion well calculated to induce an imperfect religious to have recourse with much confidence to her superior who may thus be able to rescue her from her tepidity, and restore her to the path of perfection. We also gain more by sweetness than by harshness. Harshness brings trouble, temptation, obscurity, and spiritual sloth in its train. Sweetness, on the contrary, gives peace and tranquility. It disposes the soul for union with God. If all superiors were to follow these rules, all subjects would become saints." It is the want of prudence that causes so much trouble in certain religious houses. Where disturbance reigns, there reigns the evil one, and where Satan reigns, there God is not to be found. It was to these Carmelite nuns, whose prioress received this striking admonition, that Gerard had written some few years previously, How earnestly do I desire that all the dear sisters should dwell forever in the wounded heart of Jesus, and in the afflicted heart of the Blessed Virgin. It is in these hearts that there is to be found all sweetness. In these hearts may we find our rest. On one occasion he wrote thus to the mother prioress, Believe me, my very dear mother in Jesus Christ, that notwithstanding my unworthiness, I pray continually to the Lord for you and for your community. The whole object of my prayers is to obtain that you may be perfect spouses of the divine Master and true lovers of his most holy will i say it in all truth i never find myself in the presence of our lord without seeing you in his most sacred heart and then i offer to god for you and all your daughters that sacred heart all covered with wounds for our sake let us now see how saint gerard wrote to a novice who as he heard was tempted against her vocation my dear sister in jesus christ i tell you in the name of god that you ought to keep yourself in a firm and holy peace For all this tempest is the work of the evil one who is striving to induce you to leave your holy home. My child, be on your guard. Satan is full of cunning and envious hatred. He would prevent you from becoming a saint. For this reason, your perseverance causes him the greatest anger. We, all of us, have experienced his assaults against our vocation, but God only permits them in order to test our faithfulness. Take comfort, then. Offer yourself always to Jesus without reserve, and he will not fail to come to your assistance. How is it possible that your love should forget how many times you have promised Jesus Christ to be his spouse forever? If, then, you have so ardently desired this title of spouse of the Divine Master, why renounce it now? Go on your way, therefore, in all freedom of soul. Be bright. Love God with all your heart. Offer yourself often to him, and rout the powers of hell. One last word. Pray for me. I do not forget to pray for you this letter produced its effect. The novice was forever delivered from her temptations, and became an excellent religious. From these short extracts we may form some conception of the general tone of St. Gerard's letters to nuns, a great number of which have been preserved to us. They all breathe charity, sweetness, loving-kindness, and are all pervaded with a heavenly unction. He was the gentle spirit of Jesus Christ our Lord. It was not only to religious women that Gerard wrote letters of consolation and advice— Many priests sought his aid, and he ever regarded it as his greatest privilege to be able to help those whom God had anointed to be the helpers of his people. St. Gerard wrote the following to a priest who consulted him in his perplexities. "'With regard to your scruples about your past life, since you have already made, as I am well aware on several occasions, a serious examination of conscience, be at rest and trouble yourself no more on this subject. Your doubts arise simply from the wiles of Satan.' The devil is striving, by means of the storm that he has raised within your soul, to make you lose peace of conscience. Be careful, then, not to give ear to his suggestions, regard this inquietude as a real temptation, and keep yourself calm, that you may be able to go forward in the way of perfection. As for the scruples which have reference to the confessional, I assure you, with all sincerity, that this is likewise a temptation." THE ENEMY WISHES TO MAKE YOU ABANDON THIS OCCUPATION, WHICH CONCERNS SO NEARLY THE GLORY OF GOD, AND FOR WHICH YOU HAVE BEEN CHOSEN, FROM ALL ETERNITY, TO THE GREAT GOOD OF YOUR OWN SOUL. IN THE NAME OF GOD, DO NOT GIVE WAY TO ANY SUCH TEMPTATION. IF YOUR REVERENCE WERE TO CEASE HEARING CONFESSIONS, YOUR SPIRITUAL LIFE WOULD SUFFER THE GREATEST LOSS, AND, IN ETERNITY, GOD WOULD NOT BESTOW UPON YOU THE MAGNIFICENT REWARD WHICH HE IS PREPARING FOR YOU IF YOU WERE FAITHFUL to abandon the confessional would be the same thing for you as not to do the will of god for the will of god i say it again for you is that you should labor with the greatest zeal in his vineyard do not permit yourself to be further troubled concerning any mistakes which you may commit through inadvertence in the exercise of your ministry it is enough that your will should be unswervingly bent on not offending god for all else commit yourself to the good keeping of divine providence Here is a letter written by St. Gerard to a redemptorist father who had asked his advice in his interior trials. "'I am rejoiced and indeed consoled, Reverend Father, at the dealings of Almighty God with your reverence. I am quite confident that he will grant you the grace to triumph over all your spiritual enemies. Courage, then. Fear nothing, but rather rejoice. The Lord is certainly on your side, and he will never abandon you. Your reverence has doubts concerning your past confessions.' This is a little trial which God sends you, to give you an opportunity of suffering something for His sake. You tell me that you are yourself responsible for all. You could not think otherwise without your anxiety immediately disappearing. It is thus that the Divine Majesty acts toward the souls whom He loves, permitting them to be persuaded that all comes from their own remissness. If your reverence once felt that all your sufferings came from the hand of God, where would be the suffering? You would then find in those very sufferings a paradise of delights. After all, even if we have some little faults, and even though we do fall sometimes, let us remember that the saints themselves were flesh and blood. Trust in God, my dear father, and hope in him. In your charity, recommend me to Jesus Christ and his most holy mother Mary. I beg of them to bless us both. End of chapter 12.